quite often what we do, we challenge people to do on this show is uh, we try to help them make some magic. And sometimes we use the term abracadabra. When you hear the term abracadabra, Imam, what does it uh, what does it resonates with you? What do you think of? Uh, it takes me back to them old school 80 cartoons, man. I'm 70 and 80 cartoons, you know, just like abracadabra, open up the door, you know, Captain Caveman type stuff. <laughs> Captain Caveman. Now, now, now you're going back. That's a, that's a, oh, I, that was a great show. Uh, however, what it is, it's a real word. And what it comes from is ancient Aramaic, the, the Christian Bible's Jesus. Yeah. And what it uh, translates into, what I speak, I create. Mm. What I speak, I oh, create. Awesome. So what we do is we challenge, I challenge people, you can make magic in your head. What I speak, I create. If we just can learn how to speak to ourselves correctly and nicely, however, quite often we need some guidance and assistance with that. No doubt that's powerful. In Islam, there's a saying, um, you, uh, your God is in the opinion of his servant. So if you speak something and you have a good opinion of God will bring it into reality, it will happen. And so it's very a very similar type of concepts. Indeed, what we speak, we create. And that can not only make your own values, but your own self-worth also. Because too often, Imam, what we do is we take our own self-worth from the perceptions of others. True, very true. Especially with the, uh, with the age group that you're dealing with. Yes, tough, tough crowd. <laughs> so, however, it sounds like you have a little bit of a record to back that up, but that you can know what you do and you do what you say. So, like yourself, I was uh, I was raised Catholic, and uh, however, transformed throughout my life. I'm a Buddhist by philosophy. I'm a Quaker by affiliation. So, what in the Quaker world, what we do is we we see the divine in everyone, and rather than a worship service, a traditional worship, we call it waiting worship, where we listen. And we we hope to hear the word of the divine and, and find the right way. That's beautiful. That's very beautiful. So and I became attracted to the Muslim faith years ago uh, through my association with Seclair, Dr. Safra Chaudhary, a number of other people, able to take uh, students to services, uh, participate, and learn a little bit about it. And I think it's really important that here on this show, what we try to do is bring facts and bring some wisdom and some light into people's lives and separate some fact from fiction. Uh, so uh, could you tell us a little bit about some of the fact and fiction, that some of the common fiction out there about Islam? What we have to realize is that, uh, you know, Muslims have a tough job because of ignorant Muslims. Uh, you have a lot of people, you know, just to be straight up, some people who claim to be Muslim doing evil things. And that makes it hard for people who are really trying to practice Islam. One of the titles of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is Rahmat al-Alameen, a mercy to all of creation. If you ask the average American, uh, are Muslims the ambassadors of the mercy to all of creation? They say absolutely not, because of ignorant actions of some so-called Muslims. And so people don't know that that's actually Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him's title, is a mercy to all of creation. And that's how we're supposed to be behaving. That's the model that we're supposed to adopt. And so people don't know that we believe in one God. We believe in Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. We believe that he was born from the Virgin Mary. We believe that he's coming back and that we have to follow him when he comes back. And so there's a lot of stuff that people actually don't know. Could you tell us about the prophets uh, in, in Islam? Yes, uh, first prophet for us is Adam, and then you have a difference between prophets and messengers. 
So prophets, they came and to guide people. Messengers came and they brought books. So the messengers would be like Abraham, um, uh, David, uh, Moses, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, and Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. These are uh, messengers who brought books. And so the last prophet for us is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, but we do believe in the return of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes, any difference of opinion that exists amongst ourselves, we have to put it to the side and follow the, the leadership. I remember a uh, when I was here at Humanity Day a few years ago, giving out awards, and you spoke, and you spoke about the end times, and you said that Jesus Christ came, his coming completed the circle of creation, and that Prophet Muhammad put the stamp of Allah on it, and at the end, the final Imam and Jesus Christ will return, and all differences will be resolved. Yes, yes, we actually believe that. We actually believe that Adam, uh, Eve was created out of the rib of Adam with no mother. Then it came full circle of, of our master, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, born with, without a physical father, just born with him from the Blessed Virgin Mary. That was a sign that now the seal was to take place. And so towards the end of time, there'll be a Muslim religious leader that will come to deal with the corruption of the Muslims. And then he'll also deal with other corruption. And then Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, will come to assist. And anyone who has good in their heart will follow this leadership regardless of their religion. Well, uh, Brother Sala often says that the closer you are to God, the more kindness and love there'll be in your heart. Uh, so most people out there perhaps listening for the first time, when you talk about Jesus Christ and when you talk about the, the Bible, I would think that they would think that's something that you would be absolutely foreign from. However, you refer to Jews and Christians as people of the book. Of course, of course. I mean, we don't see it as anything separate. For us, there's been one message since the beginning of time that there's only one God, and that's been the message. And people have added different names to these groups, but in the, uh, to submit to that, the word for Arabic is called Islam, which means peace through submitting to that there's one God. And I'm not too sure whether most people out there understand that both uh, Christianity, Jewish, and Islam spring from Abraham. Yes, I mean, Abraham, you know, Abraham was before the time of Judah. So Abraham... He wasn't a Jew, uh, and and so for us, we believe in all the all the Jewish prophets, all the children, all the prophets that were sent to the children of Israel. We believe in Moses, and we believe that Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, is the Messiah, and we believe in the gospel that he brought. And throughout time, corruption has affected humanity within doctrine as well as behavior. So God sent one more, the final revelation, uh, to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Indeed, and from what I understand and from what my readings are, that there's more written about the Virgin Mary in the Quran than there is in the Christian Bible. Of course, one of the largest sections, the surahs of the Quran, is named after the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then the surah before that, the other, one of the other largest is about the, grand, the parents of uh, the Virgin Mary and their whole story of her parents and how the blessing of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, starts actually with his grandparents. What we often talk about, Imam, is uh, in our world, when we talk about beginners' minds and experts' minds. So have you ever seen a horse race, Imam? Yes, of course. A thoroughbred horse race. They're big, magnificent animals, and they can do one thing and they can do it well. However, what do they have on their eyes, over covering their eyes? 
eyes when you run down the racetrack. They have those bl- kind of bl- uh, they have blinders on. Yes, they can only see in one direction, which is how many people walk through their lives with their eyes wide shut. That's true. So what we ask you, you've been around uh, three and four year olds, obviously many of them. Uh, so when a three or a four year old look at something, they look at it with what? Well, that's a tough one. <laughs> they, look at, they, they look at it with wonder. Yes. Every, everything's new and wonderful to it's, them. It's true. So what we ask people is to take away their misconceptions and to begin to view the world with a beginner's mind. It's very true. To, be, to, be, to avoid being judgmental and merely being accepting. No doubt. I mean, we've, we're living in a time where we barely conversate with one another. We're so focused on screens and social media that we barely sit with other human beings heart to heart. There's something that you can't get from screens that you can only get from heart to heart interactions. We could never have this a meaningful a conversation by texting or email. Definitely not. Definitely not. So what we what we often do is we often challenge people also to connect by disconnecting. Disconnect to connect. And what often we challenge people, maybe you can do this with some of your folks, is to challenge them to do some magic math. And magic by magic math, what we'd be doing is is uh, addition by subtraction. Subtracting some of these distractions in a person's mm-hmm. life, then adding to it. No doubt. I mean, I, I the time of spanking children, you know, all you got to do is take away their phone. I took away my son's <laughs> phone, and it looked like I hit him with a laser spear in his heart. He was on the, <laughs> he was on the ground spinning and, like, foaming out his mouth. I just took away his phone. You know, and it looked like he got hit, sliced with a lightsaber through his chest, you know. <laughs> Perhaps you could... Uh connect with this uh we talk about sometimes sometimes i'll challenge people if they know how monkeys are caught and it's humane it is humane do you know how monkeys are caught Imam? i don't know okay i'm not going to catch anything however <laughs> don't keep in mind no no animals were harmed during the during the taping of this podcast so there's a they make a mesh cage a mesh cage is made and there's only a hole big enough into it so the monkey can stick their hand in. Mm. And inside the cage, there's some type of a shiny object, something that the monkey would want. However, when they reach into the cage and they grasp it, they find that they can no longer remove their hand and they're trapped. And sometimes what happens, Imam, is we are trapped in that cage of life because we're holding on to things that hold us back from uh, experiencing life and enjoyment and happiness. No doubt. One of the biggest things that we hold on to is hatred and anger. Uh, We believe, my teachers told me, that you can never have a relationship with God as long as you hate one human being because your heart, we only have one heart. We have two hands, two ears, two eyes, but one heart. This heart cannot be occupied with hatred for humanity. You can hate things that people do. You can dislike their actions, but hating the human being themselves is not from the prophets of God. So tell us about the evolution of that in, the, in a human being, because we, you talk about children being, uh, being pure and innocent, and I, I follow you 100% on that one. So what, what happens? Where do, where, do they get this, uh, where do they get the idea of hate and envy and jealousy? It's, again, from the ego, and the Arabic word for it is the nafs. Um, and uh, hatred or anger, there is a righteous form of anger. If you see someone being abused and that makes you angry. And there's also when you don't have enough anger, uh, when you see someone being abused and you don't care. 
but then there's excessive anger. And this excessive anger, they say one of the reasons is because it's a, a feeling of defeat, that you feel defeated or maybe frustrated with the creator because something didn't go your way. And so understanding the creator and understanding um, taking on trials and tribulations as blessings and as tests to make you stronger is an important aspect of it. But sometimes we want things our way all the time and the ego can't take it. God's an easy play person to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we need something some need somebody to blame. I mean for us, you know, uh, you know, we believe that, you know, God is in control and he and just because I'm having a difficult time or something has happened to me doesn't mean it's always bad. It's a test that I have to go through to see how I come out the test. And speaking of tests, this comes to another common misconception, a real common misconception in the world that's uh, propagated, promoted by the various media outlets, is uh, the term jihad. Mm, yes. could, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because jihad uh, means to struggle. And so there's a spiritual aspect of struggle, uh, which would be to fighting against your ego. There's also a military aspect of jihad, which is protecting of human life. And this word has been misused by terrorists and also media to portray a certain way. But it is a, a reality. There is a military aspect of Islam and it's designed to protect human life. But the Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, said that the greatest jihad is actually the jihad against yourself. And so a woman giving birth for us is jihad. Uh, if someone drowns uh, in, the, in the river or ocean, they get written as they died in jihad, struggling for their life. If someone speaks out against wrong, like Malcolm X, uh, we believe that that's jihad. So there's many different versions of jihad, trying to earn a, a, a decent income in life and not earn an income of corruption is a, is a jihad. So we're talking about removing the bonds and barriers that separate you from Allah. Exactly, exactly. And also protection protection for yourself spiritually as well as physically and yes. as financially. Indeed, indeed. And that's one of the things that we often challenge people to do is remove the bonds and the barriers that separate you from your authentic self. No doubt. That's, that's a mission that takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the time. Uh, so when, when you're dealing with the youth, quite often, Imam, what will, we, we talk about the importance and benefits of being able to label and describe uh, thoughts and feelings. So uh, some people have pets, do they not? Oh, of course, of course. Did you have Did you have a dog when you were young? Oh, I loved. It. I used to raise pit bulls. Oh, yeah. What, what What was the name of your favorite pit bull? His name was Urundus. Urundus. Like you run this whole thing. <laughs> I just, we, I just, we just called him Urundus, and it was just. He was brindle. He was no joke. He was a nice dog. Did you like him? Did you like oh, him? Oh, I love that dog. You love that dog? Yeah, I love. Okay, that. if you would have never given Urundus a name, and he would have ran outside, <laughs> how would you have called him back? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> you couldn't have. Yeah. So sometimes our thoughts and feelings are like that too, Imam. They get away from us. And unless we're able to accurately label and describe them, then we become anxious, fearful, and afraid. And sometimes we act out in an appropriate way through anger, through rage, and we project it. We project this, this type of anger out there. No doubt. No doubt about it. It's the most dangerous thing. You know, the tongue speaking when it's angry can do many things, can declare wars, it can pronounced divorce can hurt people more than physical abuse. You know, it's very dangerous. Well, we often say that the tongue is the only part of your body that's strong enough to break a heart. It's very true. Very true. And when we talk about mindfulness, what we do is we talk about being mindful of how we speak. Our vocabulary is one of the most powerful words that we have. No doubt. 
Ali ibn Abi Talib, the cousin of the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Words are under your control till you speak them. Once you speak them, you are controlled by those words. Indeed. People uh, people can forget, Imam. They rarely forget. Yes, that's very true. There's a famous saying that we have, God gives and forgives, man gets and forgets. So when we talk about, when we get back to uh, Islam, and what are some of the other common misconceptions that perhaps you'd like to uh, address today? Uh, people are very ignorant, Muslims included, about the great women in Islam the great women scholars in Islam and how much we actually receive from women. For example, 30% of the Sharia comes from women. Uh, one of the great scholars is in, Sunni, in Sunni Islam, we have four major schools. Uh, the leader of one of the schools, his, his name was Imam Malik. His sons didn't grow up to be scholars, but his daughter, Fatima, did. She memorized 2,170 narrations, and she would correct men if they pronounced them wrong. Um, Imam Shafi, the other leader of the Sunni school, uh, his funeral prayer was prayed over by a woman scholar named Sayyidina Nafisa Tahira, and she walked to pilgrimage 30 times. Uh, the revolution in Sudan, led, led, led by the, what, what is called the Mahdi of Sudan, um, their whole revolution, the, the spiritual claim, was shut down by one poem written by Maryam bin Sheikh Uthman and Furio. So these are so many great scholars like Nana Smao, uh, Fatima Yishutia, the great scholar Ibn Arabi from Spain. His, his teacher was a homeless woman who was 96 years old named Fatima of Seville. And so many Muslims and non-Muslims do not know about the power of women scholars in Islam. So at times, uh, speaking of Sufism, sometimes, at times what I'll do is I'll bring out a I won't. I won't address where it came from, but I'll bring out ten the ten most prominent Sufi thoughts, kind of like Ten Commandments in the Christian Church. And uh, I asked him. I said, "What do you think of these?" Not one person of any faith that I've ever come across has found one single thing that they could go against that. <laughs> and they often talk about women. So uh, the role of women uh, in Islam is often misconstrued. Also, yes, big time. And I think it's because of cultural reasons. Because in some cultures, like in uh, West Africa, it's not a problem. Uh, women being judges, women being great scholars, like Nana Asmao, she was the head of a whole uh, university uh, and a head of a group called the Yantado, which was a, a, a group of women ulema, women scholars. And so uh, sometimes it could be a cultural thing of insecurity from men. Uh, but the, Islam has a beautiful history of, of great women scholars. Indeed. And when we talk about uh, the hijab and the, and the uh, ac acraments that uh, the Muslim women wear, many of them, many there's a common perception that men make them wear these things to, to make them less than or to subjugate them. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, when you talk about women in Islam, people always talk about how women have to cover up. They never say anything about the men who are covered up. They never say anything about the men who cover their hair. They never say anything about the men who wear their robes. Why are they trying to force women to show themselves? There's also men who cover up. Covering up in Islam is a big thing. Not only do we cover up physically, we cover up spiritually. So in Islam, there's no confession. If you commit a sin, you're supposed to cover it up. If you do something good, you're supposed to cover it up. All the greatest things in this world materialize, they're covered up. For example, gold is hidden and covered. Pearls in the oceans hidden and covered. Uh, diamonds in the mines hidden and covered. And so things that are, are, are extremely valuable, and if you examine creation, they're all covered up. 
So it's not just women that cover up. Look at the Muslim men. Many of the Muslim men are covered up. It's how they should be. I have uh, spoken to many Muslim women that, fi that find it empowering. It's empowering for them. Uh, I deal with uh, some rabbis also, and in some of the Orthodox congregations, they separate the men and the women. Not that one's different or better than the other. It's that it was explained to me that to save the women from what he called it, the oppressive stares of men. It, it empowers women because then you have to talk to them. I think the problem is that women should not have to measure up their level of success and their ability to men. They have their own level of success, their own path to God. And so when we separate, say, in the mosque, in the prayer area, it's supposed to be for worship. Right? Yes. Not talking about Roethlisberger, what's going on. Was that a catch last night? Was it not a catch <laughs> uh, against the Patriots? You know, so in the prayer area, it's supposed to be for praying. And, and then social gatherings, it takes place in another place. Yes. So, so it's focused for, for people to be there, not for hooking up, not for getting with each other. It's supposed to be there to focus on being with the Creator. Well, we've, uh, we've certainly enjoyed our, our time with you today. Uh, our, purpose not, our purpose was not only to enlighten people to Islam, but to show the commonalities that we share. Definitely. I think that we're going to have to come together as human beings. When the devil looks at us, he doesn't look at me as being Puerto Rican, someone being white, someone being African American. He looks at us all as the children of Adam. That's what makes him enraged, is the fact that we're children of Adam coming together. So if we can realize that, yes, we do have some differences of opinion, but if we can come together what we can agree upon and confederate and come together based on these, these principles, then we can have some true unity. True unity is not doing everything the same. True unity is when we have difference of opinion, but we still can come together. And with that, we're going to end our uh, program for today. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. If you have any comments, any questions, any criticisms, please contact us. And as always, we give a free prescription at the end of every podcast. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables, unplug your television, and perhaps take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, you can fish without bait. Forgive yourself, forgive another, forgive everyone today. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.